0: I'm Melissa Moore, and you are listening to the Faith, Hope, Love Show on Spirit Radio. How can we practically know God's calling on our lives? We're here to chat with Gordon Smith. He is the president of Ambrose University and seminary in Calgary, Alberta, to talk about his book, Your Calling Here and Now. So Mr. Smith, thank you so much for taking time to join me today. I would love to hear a little bit about your book and what you hope readers will take away from it.
1: Well, delighted to be with you. Without doubt, what I'm trying to accomplish is to foster good conversation and good thinking about the work that we do. And all of us, uh, our work matters to us a great deal. And so kind of navigating the joys and challenges of the work to which we're called, if I can contribute to that in a way that is constructive, encouraging, hopeful, that would be great.
0: I love it. And obviously you work with university students and seminary students, and I'm sure many people that are there are uh, having these same questions, wondering how do we know God's calling and how do we pursue that well? What would you say to someone maybe that's feeling discouraged in their work life, or maybe they're experiencing some career setbacks? How would you encourage them?
1: On the one hand to say, this is life, setbacks, disappointments, things that are challenging. Somehow we still live in this world that this is somehow an aberration. And I want to say, no, it's part and parcel of the fabric of life. I mean, look at the life, work, and ministry of Jesus and Paul. I Earlier this morning, I'm working with Paul's writings in, in the Corinthian correspondence. And it's an incredible list of shipwrecks, beatings. I mean, yikes. You know, I just think, whoa, whenever I want to complain about my life or work, I just need to have it put in perspective. So first of all, I think when somebody's feeling that way, our response, at least in part, should be to say, no, no, this this should not come as a surprise. This is not some kind of an aberration. There's nothing wrong with you. Secondly, I often will stress, I do not think we can navigate this road alone. So much depends on the quality and character of the network of relationships that we have. Women and men who believe in us, hold us accountable for when we get cynical or depressed or bitter. I can't imagine that we're not connected. It seems to me that our good advice to people is to say, Who are your closest friends, companions, co-discerners on the road, companions on the road, and connect with them? And of course, the appropriate beverage for such a connection is coffee. I don't know what it is that you're drinking there, but uh, to get together over, that's why coffee shops are so important to our society, it seems to me, to make sense of uh, these discouragements and setbacks. And then to ask, well, what does it mean? What is God saying to me in this? without overstating that, well, it must be time for me to quit or I'm in the wrong job. But it is important to step back and say, hmm, what does it mean? And oftentimes our friends can help us make sense of that.
0: Absolutely. I agree a hundred percent. I'm very thankful that I have a close community where I can, you know, reach out to my friends and ask for prayer. They can ask the same of me. And I think I've seen so much growth in the individuals that are in that group because we have leaned into each other. That's a big thing that I really encourage on my show is for people to find community in a church, get connected and plugged in. And I think it really does um, pour out into the rest of the areas of our lives, not just our church life and our spiritual life, but also into our vocation as well and our job. So I really would love to hear next, maybe some spiritual practices that you might suggest to someone that's really wanting to discern God's call on their life.
1: I'm impressed by N.T. Wright somewhere said that uh, we have a generation of Christians for whom the Psalms are not uh, kind of in their hip pocket. They don't know them. They're not part of their, their Sunday liturgies and worship. So they are, they're not the familiar documents that they were to, uh, to Christians generations ago. So um, the daily reading of a Psalm, even just praying through the Psalms, uh, over three months, you pray all 150 of them. That seems to me uh, a basic practice. And, and by the way, I'm going to uh, respond to your question by looking at practices that are, that are not necessarily practices in community, such as the things that we take for granted when we gather with God's people for worship, word and table and conversation. All I'm setting that aside. I'm just saying on our own. Secondly, many of us, the daily practice of a walk, an extended walk, is, uh, is really quite fundamental. So for me, five days a week, it's 40 minutes, and there's no earphones, there's no, uh, I'm listening, I'm on the road, I can hear the chatter of the children, I can hear vehicles in the distance, I can hear the birds above me. Uh, that is, I'm very present to this space, and I, I find it's remarkable how consistent it is the case that on a 40 minute walk, I know when I've switched at the 20 minute point and I come to greater resolution about whatever it is that's on my mind in the second half of the walk. So you've got to go at least 40 minutes to get the benefit, both physically, the endomorphins apparently don't kick in until 30 minutes, but more to the point, uh, what's happening to me in terms of my interior life, Walking is a spiritual practice that for me is, um, is grounding. Also, uh, many spiritual writers, but I'm just gonna reference one of them right now, Thomas Merton, uh, makes the observation that so much of what is happening in our interior life with respect to our vocations and our work emerges over time in a journal. And for me, the practice is weekly, once a week to reflect on my life, my work, what you know i have a little exercise by which i do that so i'll i'll highlight those um those three things as significant not just to me but to many of my peers
0: and i think those are what i love about those suggestions is they're all very accessible and very affordable Um, And for a lot of individuals, I'm a, I'm a millennial and sometimes it's very easy for me just to want to rush through my day, rush through my week. I'm also a mom. So it feels like life never really stops for me, but I think that there's something really powerful in what you've suggested is that, you know, sometimes it's just sitting down and journaling for a little bit of time to get your thoughts out, to process, and then taking a walk. That's something that we all can do if we make the time and space to do so. So I just, I appreciate that a lot. I know that's something I'm going to have to try today um, as I feel like every person I know is in the middle of a pretty big life decision right now. So I'm going to have to encourage my friends to do this as well. Maybe I'll uh, try and make it more of a, I guess more of an intentional effort to go on walks consistently. Um, So I appreciate you saying that. I just feel like that's a very practical suggestion. So thank you so much for that. Um, So with, you know, kind of going a touch deeper here, do you feel like each person has a single call on their life, or do we each have you know, maybe different callings for each season? How can we know where God is leading us in each season?
1: I would say, on the one hand, that we always have multiple demands on our lives. So You just made reference to the fact that you you manage this radio show, this podcast, and you're a mother. Uh, I love the title of Bonnie Miller McLemore's book, Also a Mother. Just the fact, hello, I'm also a, so yes, I'm a university president, but I'm also a grandfather. I'm also an assistant gardener. I live with the master gardener. I'm also uh, a writer. Uh, I'm also a preacher. There's a dynamic tension, not a conflicted tension in these also's. And I think for many of us, we're, we're navigating these multiple calls and we need to prioritize my, my day job is I'm a university president. That, that's, that's pretty fundamental. It consumes a, you know, my time. But that does not mean that it is so all-consuming that I can't spend an hour every day on my writing uh, sermon preparation projects. It does not mean that I can't be fully present to my grandchildren, which is a huge part of my life at this stage of life. And yes, when my granddaughter comes to visit us in Calgary, everybody in the office knows Gordon will not be fully present to us today. That's not that somehow I've neglected my job. But that does mean that sometimes I need to learn how to say no, because we so easily get all consumed. So I need to be very clear about my priorities. Secondly, not only do we have multiple demands at one time, I do believe uh, vocations evolve, unfold. So I started out as a theology prof, then I became a dean, then I became the university and seminary president. Uh, each of these is a, has a different sense, of, a very different feel, but there's a, there's a logic, there's a continuity, there's a thread, you might say, that runs through them. So when a hockey player, becomes a hockey coach, uh, that's, that's a new vocation, and yet there's a thread, there's something, there's an undercurrent. Having said that, I one of the chapters in your calling here and now is midlife transitions. And I'm intrigued by these. When somebody's been a public school teacher and feels a call to pastoral ministry, and I'm curious about what is the, what is the thread that leads from the one to the other, Uh, Or when somebody has been a pastor, and, um, and then a friend challenges them to look to the possibility of being a correctional institution chaplain. Oh, and what there is an underlying thread, but it is a different calling. So yes, something evolves, something shifts, but I, I suspect that there's, um, there's both continuities and discontinuities when those changes happen.
0: And I love kind of how you shared like your own personal progression, you know, starting as a professor and then now being a president. You probably didn't wake up one day before becoming a professor and think, you know what, I just want to be a university president and I'm just going to pursue the steps to get there. Um, And I know for me, I never thought I would be doing radio. Um, I'm very thankful for the opportunity. I just knew I wanted to to teach God's word. And this has given me an opportunity to do that. And it just blows my mind how God does this right where he starts us off at you know one level and over time he continues to hone our giftings and um and moves us into maybe a different calling than we had anticipated Um, and i had a pastor once um at a church that we used to attend in Monterey, California, where he used to talk about the verse, um, a lamp before my feet and then a light for my path. And this idea that it's like you're holding a candle and you only can see so far, right? And God Mm -hmm. doesn't give us the end picture. He just Mm -hmm. gives us what's right before us. And I just, for me, that has been something I've really clung to in life, knowing that, you know, all I can do is trust God, that he has a plan for the rest. All I got to do is step forward in faith with this next step.
1: Believing that God leads one step at a time. So we, we, we can't see around the bend in the road. So that's the image I use, not the candle image, but I can't see around the bend in the road, but this is the direction that I sense um, the Lord is calling me and where this, how this is gonna unfold. Well, we'll see when we come around the bend and it may not always be easy. There may be a significant setback or disappointment or illness or crisis. And again, it's one step. So for this hour, for this day, for this season of life, yes, well said.
0: I love that how maybe if you have some maybe final words, maybe in discerning um, with wisdom, what God's call is in our lives. Are there any final thoughts you'd want to share with
1: people? Sure. I think one of the things that I say early on in the book, and it's grown since then in my conversations, is that if we're going to discern well, what it is we're called to be and do, we need to be attentive. And we live in an age of distraction where Right, right in front of me here, as I'm speaking with you, I have my, my, my phone, my iPad. That's because I wanted to know your questions beforehand. But we have these devices. It's amazing how much our devices keep us from, uh, from the interior stillness that is essential for us. A... So for when I walk, I carry my phone just in case I need to call 911. But now's not the time to be checking email or text. But it's amazing how much the little sound on our phone that a text has arrived alters the kind of emotional equation when we need to be more settled. So I wonder, going back even to your first question about managing uh, discouragement and setback and disappointment or flatnessness, there's a new word. I wonder if part of why we navigate those things less well is because we we live in an age of distraction and are easily distracted.
0: I completely agree. I know that is an issue that I currently am working through um, just because, I mean, really basically everyone in my generation is addicted to screens. And um, we're seeing that now coming in to kids that are growing up in front of a screen almost 24-7. It's something that as a society, we're going to really have to address this. And it's cool seeing other Christian leaders coming out and saying, hey, here's some ways that we can set boundaries, use screens well, um, and allow them, allow space so that we're not, Living in this distraction 24-7.
1: It's not just millennials. I have a 14-year-old and a 12-year-old granddaughter. They're texting each other across the living room. <laughs> and then when I tease them about this, they just say, Grandpa, they roll their eyes at me and go away. Uh, but I'm thinking, guys, okay, but yeah, addicted is a strong word you just use. But
0: it's a it's a crazy yeah. world we live in. But I agree with you. I feel like really discerning God's wisdom for our lives, it requires attention and focus and discernment. And we can't have those three things if we're distracted. You know, it's yeah. something that if we are not taking time away from our devices, away from the distractions of life to be yeah. in the presence of God, whether it's in a journaling time, in a spending time in God's word on a walk, if we're not taking away those distractions for those crucial times where we need to be in God's presence, then ultimately we're not going to, experience the wisdom because we are distracted well said well thank you so much again just for joining me um obviously your book is available to purchase where can we pick up a copy of your book and how can we follow you further whether it's a website or social media
1: well the book's available on the standard kind of sources uh dare i say the name of the largest multinational but here it goes but yes it's available on amazon Um, and through other distributors, or you can order it directly from the publisher into Varsity Press. I really enjoy working with them, they're terrific. Um, so high praise for the editorial staff and the publishing staff on IV Press, they're great colleagues. I'm not as active on social media as I've all of my millennial friends think I should be, sorry, but I do have a website, GordonTSmith.com and it keeps track of both my publications and samples of my work, uh, lectures or the like that I've given. And um, my speaking schedule.
0: Thank you so much for your time. And thank you for putting this book out to really kind of give guidance to those of us that are trying to navigate life. So I really, really appreciate it. Thank you for your time.